and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday evening. Joining us from Madison Square Garden, where he's willfully ignoring the Mavericks-Knicks game to give us fresh takes on the trade deadline, is Tim Bonteps. Unfortunately, before the game, when I had a window to do it, McMahon had to do something more important, genuinely, which is coach basketball so we had to wait a little bit so now I'm not watching half the Mavs play half the late half the Knicks almost at half the Lakers half the Knicks joining us from Dallas where he's seeded coverage of the Mavericks to Bontemps this week is Van McMahon <laughs> howdy partners hey good to be here it is uh was an intense fifth grade basketball practice tonight we're ready to talk a little bit of, of trade deadline a busy trade deadline not sure how impactful but certainly busy did uh did, were there any trades in the fifth grade team, trading out any players? <laughs> there was a couple mid-scrimmage deals, but uh, <laughs> those haven't gone through the league office yet. All right, that's good. So right now in L.A., the, the Lakers game with the Nuggets hasn't started yet, and it is full-on Kobe mania in the streets of L.A. So it being 2-8-24, the long ago was designated as the day that the, the uh, Lakers would unveil the Kobe statue, <laughs> and... Kobe fans have been packing the streets around Crypto.com Arena for hours. There are trucks circulating with like billboards on them. I don't know if it's a, I don't know who's sponsoring it or if the Lakers are sponsoring it. Just with, you know, just saying it's Kobe statue day and, and everybody's wearing a, um, a Kobe uh, jersey and they're all here to see the statue, which you can't see. <laughs> um, I don't know what's happening right now, but the the statue unveiling was done inside a tent, inside a, f- a makeshift fence, and nobody can get real close to it. And so uh, it was a whole bunch of people who were coming down here to see the statue. And I mean, I don't, I suppose they could take it down, but it's a giant, it's not like a, 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 an easy tent. It took them three days to build the tent. It's probably gonna take them three days to take it down. So anyway, it's just absolute Kobe mania. And look, the Lakers haven't played the Nuggets. For all I know, they're going to win by 40 and they're going to be pouring out into the streets claiming that the 17th or 18th title is coming in a matter of days. But I will, I do think it's interesting as we sit right here before the game, that this is just Kobe celebration day. And there are, the Lakers are coming off a long road trip where they're playing the defending champs and they didn't do anything. And after the game, LeBron's going to have a chance to talk about that mm. uh, on, you know, gigantic Kobe day. So, or tweet about it or tweet or about both. it. Yeah. Maybe the hourglass was just how excited he was about the Kobe statue. Counting uh, down the minutes to seeing the Kobe yes. statue. Yeah. <laughs> And they were the, the Lakers were very aggressive in keeping it under wraps. They brought it in under the cover of night, was all wrapped up, didn't have there was I, I mean maybe there were leaks. I didn't see any leaks. The uh, the statue um, is of Kobe holding his uh, holding his hand up with number one, you know, and Vanessa basically shut down Kobe's widow, shut down any commentary on the statue by saying, no matter what you think of this statue, just know that Kobe picked it. And uh, I don't know. That's a uh, conversation, Ender. Yeah, I don't know if that's true, but there was a heck of a thing to say because what are you, <laughs> where are you going to go from there? Let's um, talk about some trades now. Yeah, okay. Hang on, Bontemps. Talk, setting the scene here. And I'm just telling you that as I was walking through the streets, I was out with Michael Wilbon for a little bit and Hall, Ooh, of, Famer Mark, Hall of Famer Mark J. Spears. Oh, double name drop. These Kobe fans are just everywhere and they're, you know, they're all in a very good mood. And they're just like, you know, by the way, uh, you know, 
Kobe uh, can walk on air. Kobe never missed a free throw. Kobe would beat LeBron by 50 if they played one-on-one. And I just, today, the answer is yes. Yes, Kobe would beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. Michael Jordan would bend the knee. LeBron can't hold his jock strap. That's what you just say to the Kobe fans today. You're not, you're not messing with the Kobe fans. They're on, they're on a national holiday. So that's the scene here. Uh, inside the arena, we have a team that didn't do much. We'll talk about in a minute. The team that did do a lot today was inside the arena that Bontemps is in, the Knicks, who um, had a big news day today, Bontemps. And uh, one, it's got bigger, too. Go on. Uh, the Knicks, who are already down to eight players today. Now have lost Isaiah Hartenstein for the rest of the game. Hartenstein, I should say. KP gave me a hard time for messing that up repeatedly. Isaiah Hartenstein is out for the rest of the game with a sore left Achilles, which is not great. Mm. And they are now down to seven players. And their top mm. four front court players are now all injured, which is yeah. kind of a problem. Well, yeah, well a, a temporary issue, at least. But I thought that the Knicks had as good a day as anybody. Obviously, the team they're playing, the Mavericks, will also discuss because they were awfully busy as well. But for the Knicks to get two guys who can score, uh, Bogdanovich, who's one of the better shooters in the league, and then Burks, who, you know, can create is, you know, there's a lot of interest around the league in Burks at a reasonable price, but has history with the Knicks, with Tibbs. To be able to get both of those guys, they have legit depth now. You know, once they get healthy, and they didn't, they didn't sacrifice anything from the first round stockpile. I thought they were as big a winners as anybody. I would agree that from a, a strictly trade standpoint, between the OGN and Obi trade, and now this trade, they did a great job adding to their team without sacrificing those first. The more immediate problem is OGN and Obi had surgery today to take a bone fragment out of his elbow. It was causing inflammation. He's out for. Sounds like several weeks. Going to be reevaluated in three weeks. Julius Randle's dealing with a separated shoulder. Mitchell Robinson is coming back on the court after the break, but has been out for months. And now Hartenstein, who has been dealing with foot issues for a while while playing out of his mind, is now dealing with Achilles. Oh, and by the way, Jalen Brunson, who's been playing out of his mind, sprained his ankle the other night in a win over Memphis. He didn't play today mm-hmm. and is day-to-day. But OG Ananobi was day-to-day for two weeks and now is out for several. So. You know, this is currently the state of the Knicks where they have no available healthy players and they have to also get their way through that. So it's it's been sort of a up and down day from that standpoint. The all-star break will be well-timed for the Knicks. Yeah, yes. well, after they they did this deal for Burks and Bogdanovich, um, saw Josh Hart tweeted, that's great, boys, get on the private jet. <laughs> exactly. Could like, use you tonight. Yeah. I'll be stunned if they're not playing Saturday against Indiana. And I'm half surprised if they didn't get here tonight during the game. They didn't just roll them out on yeah, the court. Well, because everybody's got to pass their physicals. Yeah. The thing about the Knicks is that they were able through the course of the season now to to trade for Ananobi, to trade for Bogdanovich, trade for Alec Burks, all of whom I believe shoot over 40% from three this year. Ananobi is a plus defender, one of the best wing defenders in the league. Bogdanovich and Burks can hold their end at that end of the court. And all of them have contracts that can end after this season. Mm-hmm. And none of them cost a first round pick. Yep. So I believe it's it's most likely, I think that OG is going to sign a big extension to stay there and that they will pick up the team option for Bogdanovich for next season for 19 million um, if he's not traded in a bigger deal. So 
but they have the flexibility where they haven't touched their cap flexibility. They haven't touched their first round picks um, stock and they've gotten wing players who play both ends and can shoot. I mean, this is what the you know big desire is for NBA teams. So I haven't looked at, I haven't checked the machine's grades for that trade yet. Um, but I have to him an A. Yeah, I think I would assume that he would. Um, you know, Philly and the Knicks were both sort of having conversations about trading for these types of players. Um, Bruce Brown was one of the guys they were looking at. He didn't get traded from Toronto. Buddy Heald ends up going to Philly. Bogdanovich and Burks end up going to New York. You could almost figure that amongst those four players, that you know, three or four were going to get traded, and you know, some of them were going to end up in New York and and Philly, and it did end up that way. Um, but I think it was New York who I think you know, depending on what Buddy Heald can do, probably made the more had the more impactful. For a full day, Bontemps. Yeah, I mean, I think Buddy Hill was the best player traded today. And I think that Indiana, I think, or I think I'm sort of confused as to the handling of Buddy Hill in Indiana from the beginning. Like basically from the moment he got there, he was in discussions about being moved, it felt like somewhere else. And Indiana's playing the super fast paced, frenetic style. They're getting all these threes up, they're doing all this stuff. He seemingly fits great with, with Harry Salberton. And now they trade him for in some second round picks. And I don't know, it's just kind of an odd setup, but I certainly think that the Knicks, again, both Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks are guys that are older veteran players, not great on the defensive end, especially at this stage of their careers, but they're guys that you could slide into the rotation that can give this team some more firepower offensively, which as we saw, particularly in the game against the Lakers on Saturday night, right now it's Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, and a bunch of guys who are not doing any offense. And you add a couple of guys that are legitimate 40% three-point shooters, all of a sudden, the court looks a lot different. It's a lot more spaced out. And when you're talking about going into the playoffs as Boyan Bogdanovich being your eighth guy mm-hmm. and Alec Burks being your ninth guy, that's a lot different than them being your third guy and fourth guy or fourth guy and fifth guy. And it's just, it's the Knicks have done a great job the past several years of just continually adding solid players and building out their depth, signing Dante DiVincenzo this summer, one of the best moves of the summer, trading for Josh Hart at last year's trade deadline, obviously signing Jalen Brunson the offseason before that, signing Julius Randle in free agency. Like they've just thought of Isaiah, signing Isaiah Hartenstein with Jalen Brunson that same summer. He's He's done a great job turning into their starting center with Mitchell Robinson out. They just continually built this roster up to now where they've got one of the deepest teams in the league. And even with all these injuries, they've still got a good team that they can roll out there when they get these guys in here, presumably for Saturday's game. And then when they get everybody healthy, hopefully for their sake in a few weeks, now you're talking about a pretty deep, versatile group that can do a lot of things and gives them a chance, I think, to legitimately be the second or third seed in the East. And and, and, other, and then yeah. moving forward, they still have all that first round draft capital. They are still positioned to, if there is a superstar available on the trade market this summer, to be extremely aggressive there. You know, Wendy, you brought up Bruce Brown as a potential fit there because he's a good player who has a contract that had uh, or that has a team option. Bogdanovich is essentially the same, not, not the same player, but the same type of situation, $2 million guarantee, as you said, it makes sense for them to pick that up because he can be a rotation player who's also essentially a trade exception of sorts. You know, that $19 million salary next year can be extremely valuable if they don't get something done in this, or even if they do, they can use that this summer or moving forward. And again, they're loaded up with first round draft picks moving forward, which is kind of the polar opposite of the team that they're playing right now. The, the, the Mavericks yeah. got better right now, and the cupboard is pretty bare for them. Well, let's talk about that. Yes, in terms of draft capital, 
moving forward. And it's interesting. Bobby Marks said on NBA Today and on, uh, I believe he went on with with Woj on the you know kind of the live trade deadline uh, pod show they did. Um, and he and he said that they were the winners of the trade deadline. And it's, let's it's, talk about what they did. Well, let's go over what they did real quick. So they began the day with one tradable first round pick, 2027 pick. They ended up trading two first round picks. So hmm. they traded one of them in a deal to get Daniel Gafford from the Wizards. I think this is one of the reasons why people really liked the day because the Mavericks have really struggled without Derek Lively on the court. Yep. And uh, ever since his dog was injured, I mean, his nose Stop. was injured. He hasn't been on the court as much. And so the idea that you can get an athletic big man, it's a good, fills a need that the Mavericks have. 22 um, and 14 with Lively, six and nine without him going into tonight. And as you said, now they've got a rim runner. They've got a, a shot blocker, a rebounder, ideally for 48 minutes a night between Gafford and Lively. Right. And then uh, they acquired PJ Washington from the Hornets and sent another first round pick in that deal. And to make that work, they picked off a first-round pick from the Thunder, and it's a 2024 first-round pick. The Thunder have as many as three of them. They may only have two convey, um, but they have as many as three of them. And so the second-best 2024 oh, now pick— they have only, Now they have only two left after they gave this one up. Right, but when they had made the trade, they had three. Right. Um, they had the possibility of three because they it's have all but the, certainly going to be either the Thunder's pick or the Clippers pick in this year's right, draft. Right, right. It's not going to be their best pick, though. It's going to be their second right. best pick, either second out of three or second out of two. And f- in return, they gave a 2028 pick swap. Now, you may say, and I said this because I think the Thunder made a deal a year ago where they traded a pick for a pick swap, and I didn't like it. Yes, we had a we had a very famous discussion about it that lasted a I don't long know about time. Very famous. Well, I would say, year, I would was, say in our pop circles, it was that was a in the hard deal. That's right. I much more like this move for the Thunder because the 2024 draft is not impressive, and they already have a stock full of roster, and they already going to have a pick in this draft potentially yep. too. Right. And so, 20, 2024 draft picks, especially ones that could be the Clippers' pick, which is what I think this is going to be, um, uh, you know, depending on where the you know Clippers or Thunder finish, it's going to be in the twenties most likely. And so they traded a pick in the twenties to to get unlimited what they could potentially get in twenty twenty eight. And so the and as part of this deal, the Mavericks sent Grant Williams to the to the Hornets. Yeah, that that that's a separate. The, the, the Thunder were in the Gafford deal. I understand. Grant, right, but. They they so basically they gave away a pick swap and a first round pick today in addition to Seth Curry and Grant Williams and what other player am I missing that they gave away? Uh Rashawn Holmes. Holmes. Rashawn Holmes. And honestly, like okay. look, the Grant Williams thing was a massive whiff. A massive whiff. And they were determined to move him. But, but one of the reasons why it was a massive whiff was why. Because they gave up a 2030 swap with San Antonio to get him. So just to lay it out, and this is, I had people from a few different front offices around the league reach out to me and were very critical, not because they don't think the Mavericks got better. Everybody agrees they are better now. Gafford fills a need for them. PJ Washington is an upgrade who can, you know, make some plays off the dribble and give them some scoring punches, a better rebounder. But the fact that they gave up a 2030 swap for Grant Williams and then dumped him as soon as they possibly could, which they were determined to dump him, not just about getting PJ Washington. They wanted to be out of the Grant Williams business. He rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, he switched from Lucas to Tatum's recently, by the way. 
uh, just his shoe selection. <laughs> but the, so they gave up their 2027. Can have pick. Lamellos on now? <laughs> uh, I think he's still a Jordan guy, which he's on a good team for that, even though Jordan sold. Their 2027 pick went to Charlotte, top two protected. That's about as minimal a protection as you can get, obviously. 2028 swap went to Oklahoma City so they could get a pick to send to Washington for Gafford. Oklahoma City in 2028 has a chance to be awfully good. I think it's pretty easy to project that'll be a pick in the late 20s, right? Their 2029 pick, unprotected, is the Brooklyn Nets property because of the Kyrie deal. 2030 swap rights, unprotected, are San Antonio's because of the Grant Williams whiff. I think San Antonio, as Victor's entering his prime, has a chance to be pretty good. All that to be to say, the Mavericks upgraded because they have to be better to have realistic hope of keeping Luka happy. They have to position themselves where they have a chance of doing some sort of playoff damage. We'll see how that plays out this season. It better play out well over the next few seasons because if they end up losing Luka and they don't control their draft capital from 2027 to 2030, I don't think I have to tell you what kind of basketball wasteland this might It might feel like the 90s again in Dallas. That'd be great for the Cowboys, not so much for the Mavericks. Well, listen, at, at the end of the day, if you look at the way this is all played out for Dallas, and I, I talked to executives who had the same thought, and frankly, that was my thought. We talked about it privately. I did not like this day for Dallas, and it's not because those guys aren't decent players. Like mm-hmm. I do think Daniel Gafford is a good fit. He's a good player. Stylistically, allows them to play the same way with Derek Lively and him for 48 minutes. Lively's had some injury issues. Now you do have some cover there. That's good. Like he will help them. He'll catch lobs from Luca. He can block shots at the rim. He's a nice player on a decent contract. PJ yep. Washington, I'm not a huge fan of. He's sort of mediocre at everything. He's not Grant Williams, which I think is the main reason why he's in Dallas instead of Grant Williams at this point, which is fine. But ultimately, the Boston Celtics traded a first round pick mm-hmm. and a swap. For Derek White. I had somebody make the same exact comparison. And if you unpack it all the way, the Maver- that's what the Mavericks essentially gave up for PJ Washington. You gave up that's the right. swap for Grant Williams, but that's baked into this. That's right. And then that was at the deadline the- last year. I'm sorry. Or two yeah. years ago. Two, two years ago. ago. But the point is mm-hmm. they got Derek White. Derek White is a flat out stud, a guy who is a top 50 player in the league, could fit in any team, is a tremendous player on a great contract going forward that has been a core part of a team that went to the conference finals last year, the finals the year before that, and has the best record of the league this year. They traded two first round picks for Drew Holiday, right? Drew has not been like superstar level Drew Holiday, but when the Celtics have moved draft capital, they moved a first round pick to get Al Horford, right? When they have moved draft capital to accentuate around their star core of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they have went and gotten Big time impact players with those picks. They got a first round pick with Porzingis, did they not? They that's another one. The Porzingis <laughs> trade, they got two first round picks two. with Porzingis oh, to God. send out Marcus two. Smart this summer. And then so again, you look at the way that the Celtics have sort of methodically put this thing together over time. They've added higher impact players. And when they've used their picks, it's been judiciously to go get impact guys. The Mavericks sent a first round pick out to get Christian Wood. They sent a first round pick out to get PJ Washington. They sent a first round pick out to get Daniel Gafford. Those are three backup bigs. Or if you want to say PJ Washington's a borderline starter, he'll start on their team. I expect well, PJ Washington Gaff- to start, but yes. Gafford is a borderline Daniel starter Gafford's too. a nice player. He's a backup center on a match. Look, they're, they're, okay. the Mavericks got better today. I don't yes, think they did. anybody is arguing against that, yep. right? The eight seed Mavericks got better. Now, 
you can say, hey, they're the eight seed because they've had terrible health issues and hopefully they can get healthy. And when Kyrie, Luke, and Lively have been on the floor together, the Mavs have won at about a 50-win clip. Yep. So if you if you want to kind of twist this, you can say, hey, a team with 50-win capability improved today. Now, what's like a best case scenario for the Mavericks for the rest of the regular season? Hey, if they if they if things click, they and they could they could also add Spencer Dinwiddie, who Bon Tim said he's like sitting right behind the Mavericks. He is bench literally sitting week. here at the garden behind the Mavs bench. Just yeah, has great again. relationships in Dallas. He was a high quality six man for the team in the Western Conference Finals. You know, he's had some bad endings at other places. That was not the case in Dallas. He has very yep. like Jay Kidd loves him. You know, the the guys who are still there from that team, like they would welcome him back. They hope to get him back. So you can argue a team with 51 capability got better. Best case scenario, looking at the standings, can they can they move up? Can they get out of the plan? Can they get to six? Can they get to five? Hey, maybe they end up right now. Two up games with, out of fifth, just for context for people. Right, maybe they get matched up with with Minnesota or a, or an inexperienced Oklahoma City team in the first round. Hey, I I could I wouldn't be shocked if the Mavericks are able to to squeeze their way into the second round of this. But I, honestly, I think that's kind of where the ceiling is. Again, the whole thing is about keeping Luca happy, being as competitive as possible. That's why the pedal is down. But they've eliminated the safety net. <laughs> I mean, they, they've they just torched the safety net if this thing doesn't play out. And the worst case scenario long term is, is pretty scary. I had one uh, one member of a front office tell me it was precarious, which I told him was a fancy word for effed. <laughs> Look, Luke has got two years guaranteed left on his deal after this season. They very famously did not even make the play in last year. If they're in the play in this year, there's always a chance that something goes haywire. They don't even make the playoffs again this year. We'll see. They could also finish fifth. Like we'll see where it winds up. But like you said, they haven't invested a lot of draft capital in mediocre or worse players. Well, and and, and that's just not that's not the way to build a sustainable long-term team. And frankly, is a lot like LeBron's first time around in Cleveland. Yes, I was thinking that. I, I I don't want to be that guy that always goes back to that, but the Cavs had good players and they used, you know, they signed guys like Danielle Marshall and Damon Jones and traded for guys who were past their prime, like mm-hmm. Antoine Jameson. Antoine Jameson, yeah. And, and they had good teams, but they ended up not being good enough and they had used up all their stuff. And LeBron looked around and was like, where do we go from here? Now, one thing I will say on the, on the positive side, because you know, Jay kid told me to, to say and write positive <laughs> stuff is Gafford and Washington are both 25 years old. They both are under reasonable contracts that, that, you know, go yep. uh, beyond this year, uh, well beyond this year. So you know, that's a plus there. These are guys who can be part of the future. They're also under contracts. You know, if there are trade things that come up, it'll be very movable. This well, summer- The other argument, the other one argument plus on PJ Washington is he's been a mid-30s three-point shooter. And if you're playing with Luca and Kyrie, perhaps that becomes 38 to 40. Right. That becomes 38 to 40. He looks like a much different player. I will say this. I looked it up. He's shooting 38 on wide open threes this year. Um, he's been a 36% three-point shooter for his career if, if you can if that's you it, he's not going to kill their spacing and he can make plays off the dribble which is important when Luca's getting trapped on a constant yep. basis but listen mark cuban for the 20 some odd years that he's been running basketball operations in dallas has not valued 
draft. And I, one of the criticism of Cuban as a basketball executive is that he has not maximized the value of draft picks in the trade market. That's the same thing that I heard again today. And it's funny because the best thing, you maybe the best move that the Mavericks have made since drafting Luka, aside from drafting Brunson in the, the second round, but since that night, you can argue the best thing the Mavericks have done was what they did with the pick they tanked uh, to keep, and that's Derek Lively. They're, they forfeited draft capital moving forward. Now, once they convey that top 10 protected pick to the Knicks, which will be this year, this summer they'll have 25 and they'll have 31. And I guess they'd have swap rights in 26. So they still will have some flexibility there, but they have, well, they have well, given up a I lot say, of draft capital. What in the year last was the precarious is a good word for where they're at. What year was the it means they're they're in they're in dangerous territory and maybe they'll get out of it, but it's it's dangerous territory for a reason. What year was the uh, initial Porzingis trade where they traded to acquire Porzingis? It was rookie year. Right? No, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, 2000. What would that be? It was oh, it'd be 18, 19, yeah. right? It was yeah, midway, 18, through, 19, right. midway through Lucas' first year. Okay, so in 2019, they made a trade mm-hmm. that they have not yet fully pulled off. Porzingis has gone on to play two other with two other teams since then. Since I don't, don't yeah, mean to and, laugh. And they just keep showing Jason Kidd. If Spencer Dinwiddie's literally sitting five feet away from him. <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's so amazing. Spencer Dinwiddie got traded by the by the Nets today to the Raptors. He got waived. He is going to join another team probably in the very near future here. So he's at the Knicks game. Brooke Lopez, um, sorry, Robin Lopez mm-hmm. got traded by the Bucks today in a salary slash roster uh move by the, the to the Kings, and he is going to be waived. He showed up at the Bucks game, sat courtside and read a book, you know, just for, for kicks and giggles. Anyway, my point here is that we are now five years on from that Porzingis trade and it has not yet even be, been fully settled yet. And Dude. so, and, but here's what, and, and now they're already mortgaged six years out on stuff. They're hamstrung on what they can do today because of a trade that's five years ago that a player has already gone to two other teams. So that's why I just want to kind of, enforce here that I don't want to, I'm sensitive to you being, you being criticized McMahon for being negative, but like, I'm just uh, trying to bring a real like world said, point. I I'm telling you, yes, I'm telling you what I think. I'm also telling you the feedback I've gotten from people in front offices around the league, including some front offices that have, I think, you know, have, have been awfully successful. I say all that the Mavericks did get better today. The Mavericks rotation they did. is significantly better now. Uh, unfortunately, the Mavericks had a mess with the Grant Williams situation. It, like the personality clash, clashes that happened there, it, it, that was a big, big, big whiff. Hey, when they made the move, I said, I think Grant Williams is a great fit. A 3 and D guy, a yep. communicator. You know, has a relationship with Luca, represented by the same agent. I said I, the the twenty thirty swap rights they get sent to San Antonio are terrifying. The twenty thirty swap rights they sent to San Antonio remain terrifying. I was dead yeah. wrong about Grant Williams being a great fit. Yeah, so that I will give yeah. them credit too. Like, look, say whatever you want. Maybe whether you, they should have sat down and found a way to make it work with Grant or whatever. I will at least give them credit for deciding right away if this thing didn't work to move off it and go to something else. Because oftentimes we don't see teams in the league be willing to admit they made a mistake in a situation like this. You know, again, the process here, you could argue about on a few levels, but I at least give Dallas that they said this isn't going to work. They at least did go out and address it right away instead of just not. 
Well, but, and 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 if you if you want to really put a sunny side up spin on it, like I'm known to do, there's been <laughs> major progress for the Mavericks in in the last year. Last year, their big offseason swing was that trade for Christian Wood. When they tried desperately to dump him before the trade deadline, they couldn't find anybody to take him. At least they could find somebody to take Grant Williams. <laughs> like I With said, first I mean, pick. accuse yeah. me of being a homer, but if that ain't progress, yeah, I don't know what that is. is. That is true progress. So I will real quick on Charlotte, who was on the other side of one of these trades. Um, Bontemps is all excited about Charlotte's day today. I wouldn't say that the that the Hornets have excelled from a front office standpoint. Um, <laughs> their recent draft picks have just really been shaky um, well, the new one looks outside good. of the most recent one yeah brandon miller looks very good but you know he they were really good they waved james book night today um that was a they, disaster i don't even remember the other lottery pick that they waved earlier this well, year they drafted the kai they drafted kai jones just kai outside jones. the lottery that did not end well right so look all i would say about charlotte to, since you poked fun of me about it is I, i'm not poking fun of you i'm just saying that you, know, like you said it. i'm all excited all i would say is i think the hornets have done a really good job the past couple of weeks picking a direction and committing to getting assets and tearing this thing down because the team was not going anywhere. You could very easily could have said, Hey, Terry's you're scoring 25 points a game. He's shooting the ball. Great. He's on a pretty decent contract. Let's just hang on to him. Like why not? And instead they turn him into a first round pick at the height of his value. PJ Washington, they signed to a decent contract this summer, moved him for a first round pick with some real value in the future. I think they can rehab Grant and potentially turn him into something later. He's still a guy who can defend multiple positions and hit threes. They turned Gordon Hayward into Trey Mann and some seconds. And Vasily Micic, who's was the EuroLeague player of the year and is a guy that they could maybe turn around and flip later. Like they have started the process of building out that organization under Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin and starting to make moves for the future that are sensible mm-hmm. and reasonable. And for example, the team we're probably going to talk about next, I assume, the Chicago Bulls could have made a similar decision and did not and said they stood pat with a team that's not going anywhere. And I just applaud Charlotte for picking a direction and sticking to it and getting some real assets and starting to build this thing out in a pretty positive direction, I think. And honestly, not even picking the direction, but being able to look at a freaking compass and realize which way they're heading. Yes. <laughs> you know I mean? The direction yes. the direction was obvious. Right. That doesn't mean teams- Acknowledging the direction not. you're going yes. in, I guess, is probably the better and, way to put it. And they were a bad team. That is now rebuilding. Okay, that's fine. Recognizing what you are and acting as such is part of it. And look, a bad team that actually did pick the direction a few years back and then was a bad team and rebuilt was the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I love what they did today because they turned, they're still, they still have a chance to have two lottery picks in this draft. We'll see if the Jazz top 10 protected pick conveys or not. And then they took a pick later in what's considered a weak draft and turned that into a... Well, yeah, a, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Thunder in a second. Let me just say okay. one more thing about the, the Hornets. So they had some significant talks to move Miles Bridges. I just want to cover the Miles Bridges situation mm. real quick. Yeah, I think they got most the farthest down the road with Phoenix. And Bridges has some off-court challenges, concerns, you know, I think he's got a hearing scheduled in a couple of weeks that um, I don't know about the case, what's going to happen, but he is a player who was a high talent player on a contract that pays him $8 million, which is why the Suns were interested in him because they could trade for him. Mm-hmm. And he elected not to take a trade because he would give up his bird rights. And 
So he's going to remain with him the rest of the season. And my guess is, assuming he's able to continue playing, try to score 1,000 points between now and the end of the season mm-hmm. to try to up his value. And that's the interesting thing. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because we're in a moment right now where guys are going to have to make a decision between holding on to their bird rights and maybe heading out into uh, free agency. And Bridges decided to hold on to his bird rights. And we'll see one of his quote-unquote teammates, although I don't think he's actually ever shown up yet, is Kyle Lowry, who there's been an assumption that he's going to take a buyout, and maybe he will, but he'd have to give up his bird rights. So, you know, that's that's not to be uh, guaranteed. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Anyway, you were talking about the Thunder. They got a player in Gordon Hayward, who I think the Thunder have been interested in acquiring Gordon Hayward for several years. And now is the time to do it. And they're positioned to possibly even re-sign him. Yeah, I mean, look, he's overpaid, but he's overpaid in a contract year. And they gave up. Micic was kind of a fringe rotation player. But you know, aside from that, they they didn't touch He's Serbian. Where does that happen? <laughs> it sounded like you said a French rotation player. Fringe. I know. I was just having some fun. Sorry. Okay. Sorry to have. Fun. I know my. Just I know not my just, Europe. Just it did. Just illogical fun, but sure. I know my Europe. Um. <laughs> anyways, they didn't mess with the rotation, and Hayward's overpaid. But who cares? He's in an expiring contract, and he 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 plays the style that the Thunder want. You know, he can he can you know, be a playmaker. He's a good decision maker. He can put it on the floor. He can shoot it. I'm curious to see how exactly he fits in the rotation. I assume he's probably coming off the bench. Um, he gives them options though. Hey, there are times when Josh Giddy's not a good fit. They don't have to be smaller now if they're not going to close with Josh Giddy and they don't they Hayward's not as good of a playmaker, but they don't have to sacrifice a lot of playmaking and size. They decide to go with Hayward over Josh Giddy in closing lineups. And then I, we disagreed, Wendy, I was actually on Bontemps side, which shows you how wrong you were um, about what the, uh, what the Thunder did with the Clippers thing, where they basically gave up a, the, a pick the Clippers owed them to push it back into a swap. But what they did there was they said, Hey, we'd rather take, we'd rather increase our odds of landing another pick in the lottery. And boy, that's absolutely what they did did now. With this, with this Mavericks 2028 swap to give up a pick that'll be in the in the 20s this year. Yeah, I just think there's more certainty with this one. Oh there no, no, the there's one. no doubt that this one is like the percentages are much, much more in their favor. Same kind of philosophical approach, but this one, I like it's yeah, hard to argue that the, the Thunder didn't. Yes, didn't the Thunder really have well the Thunder have something in the neighborhood of 37 picks in the next seven drafts. They are not going to be able to draft 37 players in those drafts. So they have to find ways to, to use those picks. And one of the ways you can use them is by you like sort of buying up, upgrading the chances at the pick. And so them getting creative with draft picks and even sometimes overpaying, like, you know, they've moved up in the draft the last couple of years, a couple of spots and given maybe a heavier payment than maybe was merited, but they wanted to blow the competition out of the water and they wanted to buy it. You know, when you, you know, go on eBay, you can either make a bid or you can buy it now. They bought it now. Yeah. And they want so, they want swings at the lottery. Yeah. And their recent lottery swings have produced Jalen Williams, have produced Chet Holmgren. 
Um, again, they might have a couple cuts. It'll be late lottery. Hey, what's supposedly a weak draft? But they've got they the Jazz top ten and uh, Houston's this year. So if you want to go back and you know look at and look in in what is it three years that deal that they made with Harden could end up looking like a genius move. What they did on draft night this last year is they they moved from twelfth the twelfth pick to the tenth pick in a deal mm-hmm. with the Mavericks. And I correct me if I'm wrong, McMahon, but I think the quote unquote payment to move up for those two spots was to take on Davis Bertans. Is right. that right? Who, yeah, which yeah. is Lat- Bertans is Latvian for trade exception. It's funny good, how many guys' name translates to that good job. In the NBA these days. Good job. And so they swapped Bertans today as part of the package for Hayward. Yeah, salary um, filler. And you know they also put Nisic in there as well. But And Trey Mann, you know, who was uh, a, yes. you know, another pick that they got. That was the first pick they got from the Clippers. Not quite, didn't pan out quite as well as Jalen Williams, the second one, but. Right. But if I had told you on draft night that they had traded the number 12 pick for the number 10 pick, which got them Cason Wallace, who's going to be on the all rookie team and Gordon Hayward. And you gave up Trey Mann, Trey Mann and yeah. the rights to uh, Vasily Misich. Yeah. Pelt might've given that an A. So, like, you know, these arbitrage deals that the Thunder are making are helping. Yeah, Almost and, like and, Sam Presti knows what he's doing. Yeah, and Presti's giving you kind of the roadmap for, like, what's he going to do with all these picks? He's going to emphasize quality over quantity. Yeah, they also, also do. having lots of, quali- lots of quantity at yeah. the same yeah. time. And last year and they also. To kick, and be able to kick quantity down the road, too. Yes. They also yes. did a deal with um, with Miami a year ago where they, they had a Miami pick that they got in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, I say Kawhi, but it was yeah. Paul George, Paul George Kawhi trade that they pushed back to give Miami some more flexibility because they didn't want so many picks so fast. They don't, you know, they've done all kinds of these small little deals. Yeah. Although and, Tommy yeah. Hawkins Jr. ended up being pretty good. Maybe, maybe they should have just stayed well, pat on that one. <laughs> like I said, they, they executed pretty well in the 2023 NBA draft night. Okay. The bulls. The Bulls did nothing today. And how many times have we said that? What was so remarkable is 24 hours ago when I was doing my check-ins across the league, I'm talking to people and um, they're like, yeah, the Bulls are trying to buy. They're trying to find a wing. And I was like, well, I guess uh, they're not trading. They're not trading pieces. You know, they had discussions about trading pieces, but they never did. I thought there was a chance that while they were almost certainly going to keep DeRozan and Alex Caruso, I thought there was a chance that they would trade Andre Drummond. They had indicated in some talks that they might be willing to do that. They didn't. And uh, after the deadline, uh, Arturis Karnasovich, uh, the uh, I think he's a president or vice president, he said, we didn't see anything that would make us better. We would take a step back, which we didn't want. We want to compete for the playoffs. That's all you got to say. They didn't want yeah, to take a like, step dude, back from mediocre. If yeah. they, so, they mediocre is mediocre. He also if, said that ownership has signed off on doing a rebuild, but that he himself, and I don't necessarily believe this statement. I spent some time today with Mr. Michael Wilbon, one of the oldest Chicago Bulls followers. Um, and he doesn't necessarily believe that, but our Arturis said those words. And so he mm-hmm. is saying that it's his decision, not ownership. So I will assign it to him. Well, whoever's um, decision it was, it's an abject failure and a disaster. Well, you said it months here. ago. The, the worst thing you can be is a rebuilding team that doesn't admit you're rebuilding. That that that's defines right. the Chicago Bulls right now. And 100%. look, it's one. Well, thing he also be- said, "I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. I just want to get out what he said." You know, they obviously started the season four and fifteen, but that he feels that the team has been very competitive ever since, and that is what you know he likes and I guess wants to maintain the 
being very competitive. Look, it's all, it's all, it's all ways to dress up. It's all ways to dress up. Holy, holy Moses. Time out. I'm about to, I'm about to explain it. In 2021, the Bulls did all sorts of stuff. They traded for Nikola Vucevic at the deadline. They traded for Lonzo Ball that summer in a sign-and-trade. They traded for uh, DeMar DeRozan in a sign-and-trade. They tampered, allegedly. Since then, they've done nothing, literally. They've done yeah. They've done no trades. They made Jackson's number is quite not quite right. They made one minor trade at the deadline, or not the deadline, at the draft last year. I believe they did some kind of swap to get a different second-round pick to draft Julian Phillips or trade into the second round to get Julian Phillips with the 35th pick in the draft. But for the past two and a half years, I haven't made any trades at all. And no player me, trade since 21. It's yeah. crazy. And and and, and they've, they've they've been running on the mediocrity treadmill that whole time. And and again, like we talk about the, you know, you've got Andre Drummond, a guy that had a lot of interest in the marketplace that could have gotten them multiple second round picks, maybe several second round picks as an expiring contract. It's had a really nice year, better than Nick Vucevic, who they just extended for three years to $60 million. It would have been better off if Andre Drummond was just starting this year, but could have, should have cashed him in for seconds, didn't do it. Alex Caruso would have been, was one of the most interesting players from a value standpoint available. Low salary guy, very high impact player, can fit on any team, can play off of star players. Oh. And whether they chose not to trade him or didn't really make him available, whatever, he's still on the team. And it could have mm-hmm. got a lot for him if they'd sold him. DeMar DeRozan, who frankly has taken a step back this year, is in his mid 30s is still a good player, but is obviously a declining player, understandably, because he's in his mid-30s. He's an expiring contract. He's still on the team. Casey Johnson, uh, longtime Bulls reporter who now works for NBC Chicago, said before the game he had a similar situation with DeRozan, what happened with Vucevic last summer when they extended him before free agency started. Like, And frankly, if you go by what Artura said, again, as we like to say, actions over words. In this case, you could say actions and words, which is the Bulls have been on this glide path to ridiculousness for years where this team is going nowhere, has no impetus to do anything and is content seemingly to attempt to be the 10th best team in the East and may not even achieve that, frankly. Yeah. And, and then like DeRozan wants to get paid again. Well, Arturis said that he loves DeMar and wants to keep him. DeMar was asked about this and I'm just going to read his quote verbatim. It sounds a little bit better coming from him, but he said, uh, it's kind of like with your spouse. It's like, what do we need to work on, baby? All right, let's figure this thing out. You want me, I want you. The love is there. I heard the quote. It sounded like a guy who was happy to be there. And frankly, I'm sure looks at the situation and thinks he's going to get paid a lot of money by a Bulls team that's very content to just try to keep this thing rolling along as best it can. I mean, it's just well, he didn't want to go somewhere that he didn't want to go somewhere that viewed him as a rental. Or that would have asked him to come off the bench in a six-man role, which I think most teams that would have been interested in him would have. That's the role he should be in at this point in his career if he's going to be on a contending-level team. But he's not on a contending-level team. He's on the Bulls, who stink and are not going anywhere and are just stuck and are stuck by their own volition. Because, again, to go back to Charlotte, Charlotte looked at its situation and said, we need to tear this thing apart. And at one point famously said, you don't want to be shooting for the 10th seed. Has been shooting for the 10th seed now for years. One more factoid. One more factoid. For the first time since 1980, the Bulls have nobody at All-Star Weekend. Obviously no All-Star, no rookie, no sophomore, no Craig Hodges shooting in the three-point contest. Well, Kobe nobody White good in the three-point contest. but Okay, but he's he ain't. But he's not, right. Okay, nobody to get excited about who dunks. 
Mac McClung is a former Chicago Bull. I mean, at least they used to um, have him. And they're they're multiple time slam dunk champion. Now got a broken for our injured foot and has had surgery and is out for months after they didn't trade him. Well, they couldn't find a deal for him because they were late on trying to trade Zach Levine. Well, if a they late. Tried to, if they would have been willing to listen last year, the Mavericks had interest in Zach Levine and the Bulls yep. thought that he was too good to trade. And even this, this is year, before the Kyrie stuff came about. The Mavericks yep. were desperately searching for some kind of co-star for Luka. How much better off would the Bulls have been if they had taken the Kyrie package that the Nets got uh, for, for Zach Levine? 100%. It's one thing if you're comfortable with excellence. Like anybody who buys one of these cozy earth hoodies, boys, I got to tell you, this is, man, I, it's, I ain't going to lie. I have to say, it is, it's uh, nice whoo. stuff. Dude, I'm not just saying it. I've been strutting around, feeling good, staying warm and comfortable. It's one thing to be comfortable with excellence. I don't understand how you can be that comfortable with mediocrity. It, it, it's dumbfounding. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right. Another team that didn't do anything, a little bit different situation, the Lakers. We just didn't wait to do this pod to see what LeBron said. I, and I don't know what he says. What he says doesn't really matter. What it matters is what happened. They didn't do anything. Mm. They believe, and I I don't disagree with their position, by the way. I don't know everything that they had they could do, is that they're better off waiting and to see what they can do this summer when they'll have more picks to trade. Their asset values might be a little bit better and there might be a little bit more clarity except for with LeBron, because he's got a, a contract option, which he is not showing his hand on what he's going to do. Although I think the Lakers are operating under the belief he's going to pick that up. It's going to be hard for him to get that much money somewhere else. I agree. So, you know, I think the Lakers can tell themselves that if they play their absolute best, they could make another playoff run. And I don't, I won't dispute that. I think if they do play their best and they get the right matchup, those two things have to be together and they're healthy. I could see them do something, but They're I don't the ninth think the best team in the West that might make a surprising run. And might miss, kind the, of where they might were miss the play in entirely. Right. And but I'm not I sure say, I can say they've got a top six roster in the West. Well, I mean, no, look, like I said, they're top six in the Pacific division. That's about as, as, as strong as you can go right now. Here's what I would say about the Lakers. And I think it also applies to another team with a star player that was under some pressure to do stuff today. And that's the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I, as I said earlier, I think you can make a pretty good argument. Sixers got the best player that was traded today in Buddy Heald. They also eventually were they they were net minus one second round pick to do it and opened up a bunch of roster spots to we'll see if they get Kyle Lowry. They're going to be after a bunch of buyout guys. And unlike a lot of these good teams, they're able to sign any buyout player because they're under the aprons, which whether it's the Bucks or the Suns or a lot of these teams that are very expensive, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Clippers, uh, those teams all can't sign, say, Spencer Dinwiddie, for example. Um, so the Sixers are going to go try to do that, but look at the guys who were traded. Kelly Olenek went for a first round pick. PJ Washington went for a first round pick. Uh, Daniel Gafford went for a first round pick. Like, I don't think the Lakers should have traded a first round pick for any of those players. I think that would have, I don't think that would have been smart business. So, and for both the Sixers and the Lakers teams that wanted to add players, there were not very many sellers as we just talked about with Chicago, Atlanta decided not to move to Jante Murray in part because I don't think there were any real compelling offers there. But you you go down the list, there just weren't a lot of players available. And the ones that were available were available at an extraordinarily high inflationary price. And so I think for once, as somebody who has been critical of the Lakers plenty of times for sort of just doing fly by the seat of their pants, not rash, not really thinking it through moves, 
I think in this scenario, it's hard to argue with what they did because if they had traded for somebody today, they would have had to way overpay. And this team is not good enough to be in a position to way overpay for anything. It, it's tough to make a win now move that makes sense when you're the ninth place team. Right. Uh, as as great as LeBron is, and as much as he was pushing. All those, out of all the, the words that have been spilled on ESPN platforms about the Lakers in the last month, that is as succinct as I've heard it. Hey, I'm going to take the rest I'm of the I'm going to get to the point. <laughs> You've been working hard, baby. Thank you. You've been, you know, and look. Like if the if the Blazers would have been willing to entertain discussions on Malcolm Brogdon, that's a guy I thought would have made a lot of sense. For whatever reason, he wasn't apparently on the market. I was I also Malcolm Blazers, Brogdon. If they I, trade a first round pick for Malcolm Brogdon, that's not changing their destiny yeah, in any way, right. shape, or form. I actually um, think the Blazers are hoping, dare say, for a Rockets phase like rebound. And I think they are hoping that next year they are competing for the playoffs. And I think that's one of the reasons why you didn't see Jeremy Grant or Malcolm. Jeremy Grant's name wasn't out there for an iota that I heard. And Brogdon's no. name never got serious. So just, yeah. just to in interject that, I'm sorry, McMahon. You know, the other guy, one guy I was surprised wasn't traded and a guy who I thought could have helped multiple teams is Tyus Jones. You know, the Wizards, maybe they re-sign him. Maybe his value in a sign and trade is more than they could have gotten now. Um, I don't. I have to imagine there wasn't a first-round pick offered for him, or they probably would have moved him. And then, you know, Minnesota was a place that really made a ton of sense for him from there. I've played there before. This was hard. Because- it was hard to make the money work, though. Like, they probably yeah. would have had to move Kyle Anderson, and that just it doesn't. Well, right. like- Minnesota made a deal for a point guard. And Minnesota made a deal for yeah. a, a similar type of point guard, Monty yes. Morris, who is a outstanding backup. Well, similar so, yeah. type. He was replaced. Tyus Jones replaced Monty Morris's role on the Wizards. Yeah, and, and they're Tyus Jones is a, is a better version of Monty yeah. Morris, but they're similar in that they are a take care of the ball, high assist to turnover ratio. Yeah, you know, keep the offense uh, humming. I actually like that move from Minnesota. Me too. I thought it was nice. Thought yeah, it was a good move. Little insurance yeah. in the Conley negotiations this summer, although they're going to put some kind of money on the table for one or the other. Well, and it also didn't cost them a rotation player. And like I said, there really yes. wasn't any construction of a Tyus Jones trade where they wouldn't have had to send out Kyle Anderson or to kill Alexander Walker, who's become a rotation guy for them. And mm-hmm. like getting Monte Morris and not giving up either of those guys makes a lot more sense, even if Tyus Jones is a little better version. Yeah. The thing I'll say is I, I, there was a couple of players that didn't get traded, mostly because they couldn't get first-round picks. Um, Bruce Brown, it seems like, Toronto was like, look, we're going to get a first round pick or we're not going to trade them. Yeah. And, and so that was the consistent theme across the board. None of these prices ever came down. Right. But the difference is that Bruce Brown is potentially under contract next year for the Raptors. We'll see if they want to pay him 20 million, but Tyus Jones could be a free agent. So if you're doing negotiations with the, with the wizards, you're thinking, okay, well, you're literally going to potentially lose them for zero or instead of taking our two, three, four second round picks. And I guess the answer was yes. Right. Well, again, the wizards might look at it as, Hey, we want to keep him. And, or we think that there's a decent chance of getting more for him in a sign and trade than we can get that, that than the offers that are on the table. Now, now, if I'm running the San Antonio Spurs, I said, no, we have cap space and we want 48 minutes of the Jones brothers running point guard and making sure Victor gets the ball in his spots. But most of these Texas teams rarely ask for my advice. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the case. Yeah. So the, the, the I, I get what the Lakers did and I get what the Warriors did because the Warriors, the Warriors made a small deal. They made a, a money deal to save some money by trading Corey Joseph. Mm-hmm. 
I could make the same thing situation with the Warriors. I there just wasn't a deal there that made sense that that they thought they could make them better. And yeah, Philly was trying a lot of stuff too. Like they wanted to add more players. And like I said, I think they did a really good job getting Buddy. They're one of the worst three point shooting teams in the league. They he'll help a lot, but there just wasn't much else. And like, should they have traded a first round pick for Kelly Olynyk? No, I don't think so. Like, yeah, that was a that was a strange trade. The the Raptors, who are not going anywhere fast, traded a first round pick for Kelly Olynyk, who's going to be a free agent. And I mean, I guess they could resign him, but they yeah, just I mean, did that me, a the, year ago. The thinking there to me, at least looking at it, was they have three picks basically from 20 to 32 in this year's draft. Yeah. They decide to move one of them to get Kelly Olenek, who gives their younger players some space, smart, sort of what Utah's had within the last couple of years. Like very smart, heady player, can shoot the ball, shoot pass and dribble as a center, can play him next to Scotty Barnes and do some stuff. You get O'Shea Agbaji, who is a young wing, if you have interest in him as an upside guy. I thought Utah did well to get a first for them. And now it opens up some playing time for Taylor Hendricks, who is their the ninth overall pick in this year's draft. I'd assume he will start to play a little bit more. Maybe not. Well, I would say that's the the Hendricks playing time was not the motivation. Frankly, he's he's got a chance to like he can be a good defensive player right now. He's got a long way to go offensively. He is a mediocre and efficient G League offensive player right now. The motivation yeah. there is Olenek's not part of the future. Obviously, they've had some time to evaluate Agbaji. They decided that he's not, although it was funny, was one of their untouchables going in the last trade deadline. Um, and they just want to draft capital. Same thing with Simone Fontecchio, uh, who they got, you know, what will end up being early second round pick. So they owe their top 10 protected pick to Oklahoma city this year, but they'll have two picks, one in the late twenties, one in the early thirties. Okay. So another trade deadline in the books. Just want to say one thing real quick about the buyout market, which we're going to be talking about. Bontemps alluded to it. Um, there's a new rule this year about buyouts. Um, if you are a apron team too deep into the luxury tax, you're not allowed to sign a player who had a salary that was over 12 and a half million this year, not right. after a buyout was, was his original salary. And there, I believe are nine teams who cannot sign a player. So you mentioned Dinwiddie. This would also apply to Kyle Lowry if he were to get bought out. So here are the teams. Anybody can, making more than $12.4 million. 12.4 million, not what they were contracted for. Not what they actually make. Just so you know, mm -hmm. uh, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Celtics, the Suns, the Bucks, the Nuggets, and the Heat. Cannot sign a player who's making over that 12-4 number. By the way, the Suns pivoting off of Bridges and getting Royce O'Neal is a decent move because uh, Bob Myers, uh, who was on uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the NBA Today draft show today, or the draft lottery, um, like, geez, been a long day. Trade deadline, deadline, deadline show. show. He really liked that move. He, he called that out several times as something he thought was really helpful to them because he likes how it helps them play with their Durant at center lineups, which mm. they've been trying to experiment more of. Um, Perk jumped down his throat when he said that, like, well, how is that going to help you defeat Den or Denver? And Bob Myers said, well, he's not going to be able to def defend Jokic, but well, nobody. They can't, guard, they can't guard anybody. They, I, 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 thought Bob was really, I thought Bob was really good on that. And I talked to a bunch of people at this game about that trade. And like Royce O'Neal is basically a four at this point. Yeah, I mean, people think of him as a three and D guy. He really isn't much of a D guy anymore, but mm, yeah. he's a bigger wing. He can guard fours. He's and better on you fours have, than guards. Yes. And so if you have him out there as a big, you know, sort of a big wing and he's playing the four with Kevin, he's better than Kata Bates-Jop and Yudawadanabe and most of the, all these guys that they traded. 
And again, like everybody who listens knows, I w- I've not been super thrilled with how the Phoenix has put a lot of this together. But in the situation they're in, Royce O'Neill was about as good as they could realistically do. And he is a nice piece that fits how they're going to, they're trying to play. And he does unlock some stuff for them. And they're better after making that trade for sure. Now they've got, they've got, look, coming off the bench now, they'll have Royce O'Neill, they'll have Eric Gordon. You know, they've, they've got some depth at, at, at guard and, you know, like you said, wings slash, I mean, fours really are kind of wings in today's sure. league anyways, whatever sure. you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a guy who his usage rate is puny because he's either shooting an open three or he's moving the ball. So he actually, like a guy like him needs to be on the floor with stars or he's an offensive liability. And they could put, you know, put a lineup together where it's got their three stars. Grayson Allen is having a great year, is leading the league in three-point shooting. And Royce O'Neal, who's a plus, man, he's, he's a little bit better than an average three-point shooter. Those are and, two and, guys and, that teams will guard, for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Grayson shoot the ball great. But, like, teams are going to pay attention to Royce O'Neal if he's out there in that lineup. And you say, how the hell are they going to beat Denver with that? Folks, their only hope is outscoring the Nuggets. That's right. They're not stopping like, Denver. Period. So yeah. That's what they got to do. Okay, well, if we missed anything, it's just because we're tired. A lot of stuff has sort of happened. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Bontemps has joined us from Barclays Center and from MSG. Where <laughs> What arena will he join us from next? That's a good question. Yeah. McMahon is still banned. Hopefully get you back there soon, buddy. Thank you to Jackson, who's uh, worked hard this week as well, worked all day today on our other shows. And thank you for listening to uh, another one for the books. We'll be talking to you with some more great NBA analysis on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Adios, amigos.